you can uh, find your Bibles and go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, if, if you don't have a Bible, um, I would just encourage you to uh, raise your hand, slip your hand in the air real quickly, get a hold of our, uh, one of our ushers. They have a Bible. They would love to give you one. If you don't own a Bible, uh, would you just uh, take that one with you. You can read it this week and then bring it back next Sunday. We're just going to keep studying it, all right? And uh, one of the things I want you to notice as well is your bulletin. If you received uh, on the back of your bulletin, you will notice it's just a little bit different. We added a couple of questions to uh, the back of our bulletin designed to help you take notes. And you see them up here. What is the big idea of today's scripture and then how is God moving me to respond this week? Now let me explain to you a little bit of the, the why, why we made that change and how we think that's really going to help you as you're taking notes. First, first, you got to know this, and I think you already do. We are a Bible church. You know that, right? We preach God's word unapologetically. The Bible determines the message. And I love that uh, I see you guys like writing down notes and, and flipping through the pages of scripture and looking down in the text because I want you to get clarity on the big idea of the passage that we're studying. We want you to know your Bibles. But, but, we're not just a note-taking church, Okay? I uh, want you to have clarity, want you to know these things, want you to understand them, but we also want you to be moved to action, and uh, so that's why that second question there is kind of an emphasis on application. We want you to obey. We want to uh, be doers of the word, not just hearers only, right? James 1.22. But, but we're not just going for action either, and the reason I say that is because it's way too easy to uh, slip into legalistic rule following self-improvement just do this try harder be better that's just not what we're going for around here okay uh, we want you to get into the word of God but uh, that that second question is is not going to be blanks that I'm going to fill in for you uh, I want you to evaluate your life and we're uh, listening to what the spirit of God would be saying to us through his word. We're actually inviting and expecting that God's gonna start to move in our hearts. And so when he does, we wanna be a church that responds. And so there, maybe there's gonna be times where uh, you need to uh, think differently about something. That's be what we looked at a few weeks ago, Ephesians 4.23, that we wanna renew our minds. There may be times where you realize, like, man, I, I haven't been thinking right on this one. Then there also might be times where you are bring, being convicted of sin, where you realize there's, there's something in my life that this is not pleasing to Christ, or, or maybe I have some heart idols. I'm, I'm loving something more than God, and I need to put that off, right? I want to get rid of this sin, and I want to make a change, and there's something else I need to put on in its place, and so maybe there's some repentance, maybe there's some obedience, but then there are other times where there may be, you just need to treasure Christ, where he wants you to know him, he wants you to love him, he wants you to encounter the glory of God and rejoice in the gospel, and so listen, we don't come to church just to hear some things that we need to know, and we also don't come to church just to get a list of rules that we need to do, we gather together as the church 
That's why we say it's never just another Sunday at Harvest because we're expecting that we're going to encounter the glory of God. And when we do, our lives are never going to be the same. And so when the Spirit is moving, that's why we ask that question. If, if, if the Spirit is moving in your heart, listen, we want to be a church that responds to that, okay? So, yeah, get your Bibles, pick up your pens. I want you to jot some things down. We want you to know these things, but there also ought to be times where you put your pen down and you put your hands together. Uh, there may be times where you put your hands up and your head up in adoration. There may be times where you uh, bow in humble submission. You might do that in, in loud expression in your voice or maybe in the quietness of your heart. But we are expecting to encounter the glory of God. And we're going to be a church that responds to that. Amen? So, we have been looking at the mirror of God's word in the book of Ephesians. And what we've been seeing is uh, who we are in Christ. And uh, we were specifically, just a couple of weeks ago, learning uh, the principles for how we grow. Do you remember those? Remember those? It's like pop quiz. It's been a few weeks. I get it. So I won't, I won't uh, grill you if you don't get them to uh, right off the bat. But the first uh, step in how we grow as a believer is we put off the old. You remember that? We want to put off the old. That's not who we are anymore. And we're going to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And then the last step is we're going to do what? Put on the new self created after the right likeness of Christ in true righteousness and holiness. We're going to put off, renew our minds, and then we're going to put on. But can I tell you this morning, you ain't going to be able to do that. You are not going to be able to change and live out who you are in Christ if you are not plugging in to the power source. Which means you need this in Ephesians 5. If you're there with me, look at verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15, Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you even now just take your word and help us to hear from you. And I'm praying that, that, that the Spirit would fill us this morning, that you would move our hearts to respond to these things. God, we want to be a church that, that listens. And we want to be a church that is living out this glorious reality of who we are in Christ, knowing that you're going to get the praise and you're going to get the glory for it. So God, the, the messenger is nothing. Remind us that the message is everything. And may we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, how can I live out who I am in Christ? Let me just get right to the point, okay? Note this. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. In fact, this is so important. Do you see it there in verse 18? Don't look at me. Look at the text. Verse 18, that right there at the end, that is so crucial. Do you have that star? Do you have that underlined? you need that? Be filled with the Spirit. That is central to the Christian life. We cannot Miss this. In fact, I think it's so important. We're gonna we're gonna memorize it. Can we do that? I know, like that that, that they may not be your thing. Uh, you're not used to memorizing, but we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna try this. Okay. So I want you to repeat this with me. We're gonna do this a couple times so that you start to get it. You're gonna have it down pat. All right. Let's say this together. 
be filled with the Spirit. Come on, say it again with me. Be filled with the Spirit. Say it like you actually mean it. Be filled with the Spirit. One more time. Be so I'm supposed to be filled with the what? Spirit. I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit. Now, what are we talking about when we say the Spirit? Well, that's not your Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all just got really antsy. Started freaking out like, oh boy. We're talking about the Holy... Do, do we do that here? Are we allowed... Are we allowed to talk about that? Like, and I get it because there are some churches that are like Holy Spirit churches. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like some weird stuff is going on. So anytime it feels like we're coming close to that, we're like, like we're, we are not a Holy Spirit church, okay? We are a, we're, we're a Bible church, right? We're not a Holy Spirit. We're a B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I, we are a Bible church. We're not a Holy Spirit church, right? Wait, what? Well, guys, what do you think we've been praying when we've been saying, God, work? We've been asking the Holy Spirit to work mightily in and through our church. And I get it. The reason that we're, we get a little nervous when we start talking about the Holy Spirit is there has been a confusion about what the Holy Spirit does and some wrong teaching and abuses of, of particular texts in the Scripture and, and especially some of the spiritual gifts. I understand that. But listen, listen. If we avoid what the Bible says about His Spirit, we're actually running and potentially forfeiting the power of his power that will strengthen us to be able to transform our lives and put off and renew our minds and put on and to live out who we are in Christ. So we can't afford to miss this. Don't turn your faith into just some mere exercise of knowing the right things and then just doing the right things. That treats the Bible as though it's just some guidebook that anybody could follow. As though that anybody could do this naturally. This isn't a natural thing. This is a spiritual thing. We need the Holy Spirit if we're going to be able to do this. And can I just say also, uh, the Holy Spirit is God. So I don't think we can talk about God too much, right? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What do we do with the Holy Spirit? Be filled. What does that mean? Well, here's where I think we can get some clarification. Let let me um, just make some observations about this verb here, uh, to be filled. Uh, Note this. uh, One, it's an imperative. I know this like makes you think of school, uh, and and I apologize for that, but uh, an imperative is just a command, right? It it means it's not a suggestion. It's a command. God's not, this isn't just some like uh, helpful tip. Like if you're really, you're struggling, like your thing ain't working, like, well, try this for a little while. See if, see if that works. That's not what he's saying. This is an absolute command. You need to do this, which means not only that it's expected, but it's also necessary. If we want to change, if we want to be able to grow and live out who we are in Christ, you need to be filled with the Spirit, which also means that anytime you actually are joyfully living out who you are in Christ, you know what that means? It means you're being filled with the Spirit. You need to do this. I also want you to know that um, nowhere in Scripture are believers commanded to get the Holy Spirit. Nowhere are we commanded to like uh, uh, be sealed 
with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That already happened when we came to Christ. In fact, we saw that earlier, a couple months ago, when we were in Ephesians chapter 1. And I have this up here for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul said, In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, in that moment, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So this is kind of Holy Spirit 101. Listen, listen. When you trusted in Jesus for salvation, remember that's how you're saved, right? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how we're saved. And in that moment, when you trusted that Jesus was the only one who could save you, in that moment, you received the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, in, in verse 13, uh, Paul says this, For in one spirit we were all, all of us, baptized into one body. So if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. We all have this baptism. I think that's actually the same baptism that he was referring to in chapter 4, verse 5. He said we were in this one baptism together. Everyone who is a believer receives the Holy Spirit. So the question this morning is not, uh, are, we, uh, are, are we baptized? Do we have the Holy Spirit? If you're a believer, the answer is a resounding yes. But our question this morning is, are we filled with the Holy Spirit? We're being commanded to do this. You need to do this. In fact, I just want you to help your neighbor out because uh, there are some times where I'm saying it, God is saying it, uh, but I want you to feel the weight, all right? So would you just turn to your neighbor and just say, you need to do this, all right? Go ahead and tell him. This is an imperative. I hope you feel that command. I want you to, we're, it, that's pressure in love, okay? Uh, but uh, it is also, not only is it an imperative, but this verb is, is also passive, um, that's the voice of this verb. That means you're not the one performing the action. You are the one being acted upon. Okay? It doesn't say fill yourself. It says be filled. This is where we cooperate with God, where I submit to him and I allow, I, I allow him to act on me. He will fill me. God has to work. Now turn to your neighbor and say, God's got to do it. So we're learning we're learning it's a command, but it's also passive. We're not the ones doing it. He is. But this verb is also uh, present. It's not past, it's present. So it's not just a one-time thing. L listen, listen. When you received the Holy Spirit, that was a one-time, once-for-all deal. You have the Holy Spirit. There's nothing you could do that would lose the Holy Spirit. You have it. But uh, the, the idea of being filled here, uh, he, really it could be better translated be continuously filled means many times, not just once, but ongoing. There's supposed to be multiple fillings. In fact, this is what we see in the New Testament. Nowhere do we see anybody that was baptized in the Spirit multiple times or sealed in the Spirit multiple times. But we do see all sorts of people that were filled multiple times. Think about the believers in Acts 2. At Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then those same believers uh, are filled again after they're praying uh, for power in Acts chapter 4. And then Stephen is another example of this. In Acts chapter 6, it says that he is a man full of the Spirit. And he's the church's first martyr, right? You remember that? 
And right before he gave his life to Christ, it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit as he saw the glory of God in Acts chapter 7. And Paul is also an example of this. He was filled in Acts chapter 9, and then he was filled again in Acts chapter 13. The point is this. You need to be filled with the Spirit again and again. So maybe a big idea for you this morning is, I I need to be filled with the Spirit today. Today, I need to be filled with the Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need it today. Come on, help them out. So it's imperative. It's passive. It's present. And it's also pictured. Paul gives us an illustration. Uh, Do you see it here? Verse 18, are you looking at it? It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, So uh, this almost starts to sound like he's going to give us another put off and put on example. He's been doing that a lot in, in, the, in the last two chapters. He's saying like put off lying and instead put on speaking truth or, or, or put off uh, words that tear down and instead put on words that build up. Last week we saw put off all that immorality, all of that impurity, put that off and instead put on thanksgiving. So it seems like that's what he's about to do here. Uh, don't, don't, don't be drunk, put off drunkenness and instead put on, I don't know, sober living, but that's not what he does. In, instead, Um, he turns it into evocative imagery and gives us a picture to help clarify what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Ever seen a drunk guy? Okay, we're going to demonstrate this. Um, I uh, need a volunteer. Uh, I could still get fired for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I need a volunteer who could act, who has a little bit of acting skills. All right, come on down, bro. Come on down. Um, Here's the deal. You're going to be right down here. I'm so glad you volunteered. Um, I hope this has never happened to you. Um, I'm going to have you right down here, and you're going to be in the moat, all right? You're, You're right here. And uh, you're just acting. You're going to act out what it looks like. I would, ju- I would jump down. I just don't want to die. Uh, so um, I, am, I am a cop, okay? I am a police officer, and, and you're a drunk. You've been driving, and obviously I'm noticing something weirds going on here. And so I pull over, and I start to ask you questions like, you guys been uh, boozing it up? I mean, you've been sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? Is that what's going on here? And then I'm going to have you, uh, you, you know the drill, right? I'm going to have you walk a straight line. So remember, remember, you're acting. Uh, you do your best. We're not going for Oscar. Just do your best and demonstrate this for us, okay? So uh, would you just demonstrate uh, walking in a straight line? He's, he's, doing, he's doing well so far, so far. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Now we're getting into it. I knew it would happen. All right, here's the deal. You're under arrest now. That was actually fantastic. Um, that was pretty good. You've never done that, right? Okay, good. Just checking. Um, here's the deal. He can't do it, right? What happens? What happens? He's probably going to like face plant the cement. He can't do it. Why? Because he's being controlled by a substance. He's being controlled by that substance. Now, I'm not sure that we should really applaud this, but let's uh, say thank you for doing this. Great job. You did a fantastic job. Now, listen, I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to make light of this too much because I, I realize that some drunks are really funny and others are not. Um, alcohol... Um, it can control your actions. It can control your words. People start to say and do all sorts of crazy, stupid stuff, right? You're being controlled by that substance. So what Paul is he's trying to give you that picture. Did you see it? Like what he's saying is, I want you to be filled and controlled by the Spirit. 
controlled by an outside force, that you would let the Spirit direct your words, direct your actions, direct your reactions, direct your thoughts. And so the question for you this morning is, is the Holy Spirit controlling how you live? Does he have control? And we're not really, this isn't really like a let go and let God or a Jesus take the wheel kind of thing. What we're actually, this is more like submitting in obedience to his control in your life. And I know the question that you're asking in your mind, and I think it's appropriate, is like how? How do I, how do I make sure that he's filling me and, and that he has control? And I want to, we could spend a whole lot of time here, and I don't know that our text specifically answers this, but I do think the Scripture has kind of informed us. And so uh, let me just give you a couple things. How do, how do we be filled with the Spirit? Here's one. Uh, I think it's appropriate for you to ask. I think it's perfectly legitimate that you would ask for it. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus said this, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So why don't we just ask, God, I, I want you to fill me with your spirit because I want you to control my actions and my reactions. I want you to control my thoughts. I want you to control my words. God, God I want you to fill me with your spirit. And then secondly, that we would set our minds on truth. And the reason I say that is because in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 verse 5, Paul says, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So, so that we would ask, God, fill me. I, I, want, I want you to fill me and, and, and control me. And then I set my mind on the truth of God's Word. Those are the things of the Spirit. And I submit to his control. And I'm just telling you, there is a shocking difference in how you live when you are submitting to the Holy Spirit's control in your life. Case in point, think about, think about Peter, the, the disciple. Think about what he was like before and after he was filled with the Spirit. Before he's filled with the Spirit, man, he's always sticking his foot in the mouth, saying stupid things. He, he denies Jesus three times. Remember that? Well, then after, in Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, when he was filled with the Spirit, incidentally, um, when the crowd saw that those disciples were filled with the Spirit, do you know what they thought? They thought they were drunk, right? And Peter's like, no, it's, you're, you're misunderstanding here. And he steps up and he preaches this sermon, and 3,000 people trust Jesus for salvation. Just think about the difference that the Spirit is making in his life. He goes from a bumbling loose cannon to a dynamite evangelist. Because when the Spirit is in control, it makes a massive difference in your life. In fact, I would say this, be filled with the Spirit, and then note this, note this. So you can walk with Christ. So you can walk with Christ. This is actually what we see in the rest of our text here. Verse 15, Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk. And remember, we've, we've come across this word walk a lot in this book. Whenever he's talking about your walk, he's talking about uh, your actions, how you're, how you're living your life. And I couldn't help but uh, think of the new uh, Peanuts movie. Have you seen it? I'm, I'm, I love Peanuts. And, and there's a scene where Snoopy is teaching Charlie Brown how to dance. 
got to get ready for the school dance. And so he does that by uh, putting uh, footprint stickers all over the floor that are numbered so Charlie Brown will know where to put his feet next. And he's watching intently. And in fact, the, I, I saw this. My, my, my girls have, um, they have a ballet DVD, or they, they had this back in the day where they were learning how to uh, do ballet. And they had a special mat that had the little foot places with, with the numbers so that they would learn how to do their ballet positions, which I am not going to demonstrate for you this morning. But just like learning how to dance, you need to learn how to walk again. You can't just haphazardly walk around anymore without paying attention. And I know you're thinking like, man, I've been walking around for years. But the problem is you haven't been walking in the Spirit. Before Christ, you weren't walking in the Spirit. In fact, Paul's already told us that in chapter 2. He said, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. That's how you used to walk, but that's not who you are anymore. So what he's saying is, like, I want you to learn some new steps. And you might have to watch your feet. Watch where you're going. I want you to look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And, and this um, contrast is coming off the heels of last week's text where Paul was telling us not to, not to walk in darkness, but that we would walk in the light. There's, there's, there's a massive difference. This is wisdom right here. There's darkness and there's light. Which road are you going to take? What he's saying is you need to be filled with the Spirit so that you can walk with Christ in wisdom. Wisdom is making these best choices that would be pleasing to the Lord based on what we know his word says. I want to make a confession. Um, so oftentimes I will ask God to fill me with his spirit um, so that I can preach on Sunday mornings. This is a big job and it's important and I'm, I'm, I'm praying that you would please pray for me. Like I, I want to be filled with the spirit as I'm preaching God's word. And, and I kind of thought about it. You, you probably ask God for help for a lot of the big stuff too, don't you? Like if you were going to share your faith with your neighbor, that's kind of nerve-wracking. You'd definitely be praying for God's help there. Or, or uh, maybe it's at work. Maybe, maybe you've got like some major uh, a project deadline that's coming up. And so you're, you're praying that God's going to help you there. And, and um, our, our graduates, or those who just finished the school year, man, you have never prayed so uh, fervently in your life as you have in the last past week, right? You just, instead of like studying, let's just pray for the Spirit to do a miraculous work. When, when we're up and we're facing the pressures of life, that's when we know I really need God's help. I'm going to ask for it. But God was kind of impressing on me this week. I don't need to just be filled for the big stuff. I need to be filled with the Spirit for the everyday little stuff too. And the reason I was having to learn that is because I was having a day where things just weren't going my way. And my reaction pretty impatient and frustrated, and not wise, not honoring to Christ. And I realized I need the Spirit to fill me today, even on a normal day. Because wisdom applies 
to my attitude with my kids when I get home from work? And what kind of words and tone I use when I'm talking with my wife? And whether I bring my A-game and do my best on the job every day. And even in the solitude of my car, when that jerk cuts me off in traffic, God bless him. What if the Holy Spirit was controlling me even in those moments? Hey moms, we're so thankful for you. Can you imagine the impact on your family. If you're walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, even in the everyday little stuff, we kind of realize that wisdom does not come naturally. Okay? We need Him to work. Verse 16, so that we will make the best use of the time because the days are evil. That um, could actually be uh, translated as uh, redeeming the time or actually redeeming the moment. Or we might say it this way, seize the day. Seize the day. So when you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to live with some urgency because this right now is a moment that God has given me to walk wisely in the light for His honor and for His glory. I want to make the best use of this time. Verse 17, not foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Is Can I tell you, you just got to know, God's will is not some mysterious, elusive path that we've got to find. He's not playing cat and mouse with you. He wants you to know his will. And how do we know his will? Get in this, right? We're going to read our Bibles. Because God has spoken to us and the Spirit is going to use the truth of his word as a guide. This is why he says, Isaiah 30, 21, he says, this is the way, walk in it. So we want to get into the Word so that we'll know His will. And by the way, this is where a lot of those, uh, those Holy Spirit churches get a little crazy, right? Because they're looking for an emotional uh, experience of the Spirit outside of Scripture. And I'm not saying that it's all wrong. What I'm telling you is it's really dangerous. Where they start listening for the audible voice of God so that they can say, well, I have a special word from the Lord today. Really, like, I'm listening, but I'm going to test that. Um, someone says, uh, well, God told me to, I don't know, like, uh, pick out that new Chinese place. Or God told me, favorite, we love this one. God told me I need to marry you, right? Like, test that. We're going to test that. God wrote a book. He's already spoken to us, and the Spirit is going to use this. And so we can know what His will is as the Spirit is filling us using this word. And then, then you also see congregations uh, that, that, that are looking for some charismatic experience that just turns into total chaos and actually distracts from God's word and orderly worship. It's not an, uh, an evidence of the Spirit, okay? But, but it does lead to worship. You know that? So be filled with the Spirit so that you can walk with Christ. And then note this, so you will worship Christ. Worship is the overflow of being filled. You're living under the influence of the Spirit. Look at verse 19. Look at what he says. When you're filled with the Spirit, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So the evidence that you are being filled with the Spirit is, man, you're going to get musical. That's what's going to happen. But I love it. Look at what it says. It says you're going to address 
one another. So you got to notice that our singing is first toward each other. This is corporate worship. So don't come in here and you're like, man, it's just me and Jesus. I'm going to block everybody out. Don't want to think about you guys like it's just me and God. Like that's not what's going on. He's saying, I want you to do this corporately. We're going to gather together. That's why we sing we songs. We want to worship the Lord together. Let us, let's do this together. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord, all the earth. We sing these songs and encourage one another. In fact, we sang one of these songs this morning. Uh, we, we asked each other, we kind of asked each other a question. I don't know if you caught this, but we said, would you be free from the burdens of sin? Remember that? That's kind of like we were turning to the person next to us and say, hey, do you want to be, be free from your sin? And then we answered that question with the encouragement, there's power in the blood. What we're doing is we're encouraging one another as we sing. Do you know that? In fact, when I was in Bible college, there was a, a, a worship leader who decided he was going to teach us this, and uh, so he asked us to uh, literally turn to the person next to us and sing a song to them face-to-face. Super awkward. <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say, I ain't doing that. Well, listen, when you are filled with the Spirit, it's going to bubble up, isn't it? It's going to bubble up in joy and praise, and it's going to build up and encourage the church. That's what's going on here. I want us to be a Holy Spirit church where the Spirit is filling our worship, and we're being encouraged as a church. And and our worship is going to have horizontal impact because of our vertical relationship with the Lord. There it is. You see it, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. There it is. It's vertical. Our worship is directed to God, but it's coming from our hearts on fire, white, hot, passionate worship from the core of who we are. We're singing these songs about our God. We love to encourage each other. We love to think about who our God is, but we're not just singing them about God. We're singing these for God because he deserves our praise. We want him to have the glory, so we're also singing these songs to God. We want to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. But it's not just to God. We're actually singing with God. And how do I know that? Because he's right here. He's filling the core of who we are. And when the Spirit is filling us, guess what we become? We become instruments by which he is bringing glory to himself. And there's no one that deserves it more. What an awesome reality that when we come together to gather in worship as the church, God is with us in our worship. So we're going to give him the praise that he deserves, expecting to meet with him. Because it's never just another Sunday at harvest, is it? You get fired up to come worship with him. And then verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guess whose name is high We're giving thanks, which reminds us of what we learned last week. We were learning to put off. You see it there in verse 3? We're putting off sexual morality and all impurity and covetousness. We, 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 we were learning that all that lust, lust just grabs after what it doesn't have and what it wants. And, and, and there's this insatiable thirst for more, and, and, but it's empty and it's 
not satisfying, right? We're putting that off. And instead, verse 4, at the end of verse 4, he says, instead, let there be thanksgiving. And the thanksgiving flows from a heart that's content. I said, I don't want anything else. I have found the one who alone satisfies. And when you have, you can't help but give thanks and sing his praise. I want Harvest to be a place that the Holy Spirit Church, where he is filling us daily, today, so that we'll walk with Christ in wisdom. And they just, you're, you're, you're going to be so fired up when you turn the car on on Sunday mornings to get here because we're going to worship with God as the Spirit is infusing and filling. He inhabits our praise. And we encounter his glory. And our lives will never be the same. You want to be filled with the Spirit today? Father, I'm asking that you would make us a church that seeks you hungers and thirsts for your righteousness because you promised that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. And we're praying, as Paul has prayed, that we would experience the fullness of Christ. I love that you get the glory. We give thanks to your name because God has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Spirit, fill our worship even now. Fill our hearts that we would just be those instruments whereby you are bringing glory to yourself. Because there's no God like our God give you this praise in the name of Jesus.